Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, Bible Truth listeners. Welcome. I appreciate you guys tuning in. We have reached episode seven in this now nine part series entitled Acts of the Holy Spirit, Why the Church Has No Power. Praise God for that. And I think we are going to finish out this entire series by Monday, July 6th. Okay, because we are going to cover chapters 20, 21, 22, and 23 today. We will cover chapters 24, 25, and 26 on Sunday. And Monday, we will close out chapter 27 and the last chapter 28, along with my commentary about this entire series. I am uh, so excited about this because what we are doing here at Learning Bible Truth is trying to get you you the, the truth, the truth of God's word, Because a lot of you are not reading and and not studying like you should. You are not studying to show yourself approved before God. So so what I'm doing, I have decided to bring the scriptures to you. You guys know we have been reading the entire chapters, every chapters in the book of Acts. And moving forward, I will be reading entire books to you. We will be completing line upon line precept upon precept so that you can get the full knowledge and the full gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen for that. And I also want to make some corrections. See, I don't mind correcting myself when I realize I have misspoken because I want you guys to know the truth. My ministry is built around Bible truth. Okay. So back in chapter 16 of Acts uh, verse one, when I talked about Timothy, Uh, He was introduced into, I said the gospels, but what I meant to say is that he was introduced into the church. Okay. He was introduced into the kingdom of God. We all know that Timothy was half Jew and half Greek. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek and which is why Paul circumcised him because in Jewish law, uh, if a a mother is Jew and her, her husband is Greek and they have a son, the son should be circumcised, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. Also in chapter 16, verse 14, I talked about Lydia. Remember the uh, Jewish female? She was uh, from the city of Thyatira, but I said she was from a different city. I meant to say Thyatira, which is in Macedonia. Okay. And then when I talked about uh, God knows the heart of man, because because of her heart, she had a, 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 a zeal for God. God led Paul to her to speak the gospel and she accepted Christ and she became a Christian. She became a saint. She became a believer. But while I mentioned that, I also talked about, remember how um, the apostle Peter was led to Nicodemus. I didn't mean to say Nicodemus. I meant to say Cornelius's house. He was led to Cornelius's house. Cornelius was also a Greek. Okay, he was a non-Jew, but God knew his heart. Remember I told you he was generous with the poor and he he prayed daily 
and God realized he had a heart for him, a true heart for him, because that's how you are led to Christ. If God knows your heart and he knows your heart is real and sincere for him, you can't get to him without Christ. He will lead someone to you to preach the gospel. Okay. And back in chapter 17, oh yes, verse 11, I meant to say those in, uh, Berea, okay, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. But what I said, those in Thessalonica were open-minded. Okay, no, it was those in Berea, okay? So I wanted to correct that. Also, back in chapter 18, verse 2, when I talked about Claudius, I wasn't, I made a mistake and said Claudius seizure, but it wasn't Claudius seizure. It was uh, Claudius Lysias, okay? He was the Roman emperor who expelled a bunch of Jews from Rome back in uh, between A.D. 41 and 54. Okay. Now, also, I want to talk about uh, back in chapter 16, uh, around verse 25, while Paul and, and Silas and Luke and Timothy were in jail, uh, this was brought to my attention. And I also heard it when I played the tape back that uh, I mentioned uh, Paul and Luke. And Timothy, I forgot to mention Silas, but you have to remember, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. The apostle Luke, who wrote the gospels according to Luke, he was also with them. But the Bible spoke about Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God. I mentioned uh, Tim Timothy and Luke. I'm sorry I said that because if um, Timothy was singing hymns, Luke would have written that. So it was just Paul and Silas. This may appear to be minor, minor to you, but I'm sure if you were reading along with me, you saw it. Uh, yes, I caught it. Thank you. Okay. And back in chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, when, when uh, talked about Paul was so filled with the Holy Spirit, people would bring handkerchiefs to him. So when he touched it, you know, it, he blessed it. And the Holy Spirit was so strong on Paul, but I said the anointing, which is probably the same, but I want to be clear. The Holy Spirit was so strong on Paul, people would bring him handkerchiefs to touch. And when they bring that handkerchief back to a sick family member, those people were healed. But make no mistake about it, they were healed uh, by the name of Jesus with the Holy Spirit on that handkerchief um, along with their faith. Because Jesus will tell you in a minute, according to your faith, be it unto you. So that's how God has his system set up. If you have faith enough to heal, but what I wanted to share and add right here is that if your faith is strong enough, God doesn't have to be there physically. I'm talking about Jesus physically. The apostle Paul didn't have to be there physically. But if your faith is strong enough, for you to receive that healing, you will be able to receive that, that the, the Holy Spirit, the healing power of the Holy Spirit from that handkerchief. That's what I wanted to share. And also in chapter 19, verse 35, someone asked me about this, though, and I just wanted to clarify or extend on it. Um, verse 35, when I mentioned that images, images that fell down from Zeus, someone asked me, well, what was the images? Well, Zeus is considered to be Jupiter. Okay. And um, the, the, the image that fell down is supposed to be an offspring of Jupiter. And these people were worshiping the uh, great goddess Diana. And when Zeus, a part of Zeus fell down from Jupiter, um, it, it was considered to be an offspring. And these people worshiped that too. And remember I talked about people 
worshiping the creation of God rather than the creator because they tend to worship what they see. People don't get this, you know, blessed is, is, is the man who believes in having seen thing. They don't, they don't get that. See, you, we can't see God, but we can feel him. Okay. We can feel him through his word. We have to stop worshiping images that was created by man and images created by God. God doesn't want us to worship the sun, the star, the moon, the dirt, which he created. Man can't create dirt, the dirt that he created water. There, there are people who worship nature. And just because you worship the creation of God doesn't mean you are saved. And in fact, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You are not saved. You are only saved by faith through Christ. Yes, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't change God's salvation plan. Okay. And, and uh, in chapter 19, verse 13, now during my short commentary, I said, Paul, uh, I meant to say that, remember when I was talking about Paul and the uh, itinerant Jews, the Jews who were traveling exorcists, you may not have caught it, but I did. Um, I mentioned something about, you know, the, the Jews who were traveling um, exorcists, they traveled to exercise exorcism out of, out of the people. That's not what I meant to say. I was tired. That's not an excuse. It's just a reason. I was extremely tired. And when I said that, I'm like, oh, Lord, I have to make these corrections. So uh, I meant to say they were traveling Jews. They were traveling exorcists. They were priests, okay? And they traveled to exercise demons out of people not exercise exorcism out of people. And I'm quite sure some of you caught that. But um, without further delay, we are going to resume with chapter 20 and verse 1. And I am reading from the ESV this time. Yes, I am switching again. I may use the New King James Version tomorrow during episode 8. But today I am reading from the ESV. Okay, so I hope you guys have your Bibles with you. It doesn't matter which version you have. We should end up in the same place. Okay, because the scriptures are supposed to mean the same thing. Now, uh, I've had some that ask me which Bibles are, are the most accurate that I um, that we should use. Well, I can tell you what I find to be uh, during my studies. Okay, I confirm that the New King James is very accurate. The ESV is accurate. The uh, new, uh, the NSAB is accurate, uh, or the uh, the new American Standard uh, Bible, meaning the NASB. That's uh, um, sometimes, because I find errors in, in a lot of Bibles, especially stay away from the footnotes. Oh, yes, some of them get it wrong, because you have to remember, some of the scholars that put this together are not saved. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, God ain't speaking to you. <laughs> So, look, you can't go wrong with the uh, King James, even though the King James have some error, errors in it. The new King James, um, I find to be more accurate than the traditional King James uh, Bible. But um, for the most part, we will end up in the same place. OK, so Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse one. Before I start with verse one, I want to make a, a, another correction. When I just said Claudius Lysias, I meant Claudius Lysias. Okay. Oh my God. I don't know what I'm thinking, but now let's, uh, pick up at Acts chapter 20, verse one, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. 
verse 2. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he always encouraged the brothers, whatever region he was in, whatever city he was in, whatever nation he was in, because they had Christians in everywhere, in every place Paul went. He always encouraged them to stay with the faith, that faith was in Christ. Verse 3, there he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Boy, the Jews, Paul was constantly running from the Jews because they were always trying to kill him. Always, poor Paul. Uh, verse 4, Sophater, the Berean, the son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, uh, Tychicus, and Trophimus, verse 5, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Trias, verse 6. But he sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Trias, where we stayed for seven days. Now, the people who were, were with Paul, uh, who accompanied him, um, when Paul often discussed in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 4, he discussed about the collection of the saints. Paul always talked about that it would be accompanied by official representatives from the churches. Okay, these were the monies collected for the saints who were in need. They did this on a regular basis. You know, their presence would give safety from robbers and, and always would provide a public guarantee of Paul's integrity in handling the funds. Now, the men listed here in verse 4 as accompanying Paul represent all the areas of his ministry or his missionary work. Okay? Now, let's pick up at uh, verse 5. Verse 5, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Trias. Verse 6, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Trias, where we stayed for seven days. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together, which was Sunday, Sunday is the first day of the week, not a Saturday, Sunday is, not a Monday, Sunday is, okay? <laughs> together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Paul, no, he was long-winded. Verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. Verse 9, we, remember Luke is the writer. Luke is saying, Luke was with them. He's saying where we were gathered. Verse 9, and a young man named Eutychus, Eutychus, I'm sorry, Eutychus, sitting at the window. He was on the third floor, sank into a deep sleep because Paul was talking so long. You, how many of y'all fall, uh, fall to sleep in church? Because that's what he did. Eutychus fell to sleep. He fell asleep while sitting in the windowsill of a third floor of that temple, wherever they were. I don't know if it was a temple or a house. He sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Yes, he fell. At, he fell to his death from the third story. Uh, verse 10, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed. He was talking to the people for his life is in him. 
And remember, uh, God worked special miracles through Paul and Peter because Peter raised people from the dead too. Uh, and that's what Paul did. Paul healed this young man and brought him back to life. And he didn't do no CPR. Okay, I, I'm just saying, he didn't do no CPR. He, he, he prayed over this man, laid hands on this young man, and the man rose. Okay? Um, what was I? Verse 10. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him up in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for, the, for his life is in him. Verse 11. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. Verse 12. And they took the, the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. You know, that's how they talk. But that means they were extremely comforted. Excited that Paul healed and brought him back to life. Verse 13. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard, aboard there. For so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. Verse 14. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytidaline. Okay. Or, or I think it's pronounced Mytidaline. I went through the Google search pronounce uh, engine and I think it's Mytidaline or Mytidaline. It's spelled M-I-T-Y-L-E-N-E. -E. Verse 15. And sailing from there, we came the following day. We, Luke is still with him. We came the following day opposite of Chias. The next day we touched at Samos and the, th and the day after the day after that, we went to Miletus. Okay. Miletus. That's how that's pronounced. Verse 16 for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia for he was hasten He was hastening to, to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. Verse 17 now from Miletus, uh, he sent to, to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. The elders of the church are the pastors that he had set up in those churches or, or called shepherds. Shepherds and pastors are the same. Uh, uh, evangelists, such as Philip and Stephen were, uh, he, he called for them, okay, and the teachers of the church. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. It was always the Jews trying to kill them. You hear me? And if the Gentiles were involved in trying to kill them, they were being encouraged by the Jews. Unbelievable. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. See, that's what they did. When they held services or had gatherings, they held it at each other's houses and they were outside in public in certain areas gathered together. They really didn't have a, a special or designated temple they, the Jews had synagogues, but the Christians gathered at one another's homes, okay? And all the money that was collected was for the needy Christians, okay? People who were in need for the poor, for the less fortunate. Verse 24, verse 21, 
testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now, let me explain this. What Paul is saying is he never compromised the gospel. And he's telling them this because he's getting ready to leave and he's t and then he's going to say he's not coming back. And I was kind of full reading that. I didn't read this about 50 times, but what I'm saying is it's sad to see because Paul was the strength that kept on directing them to, to the faith in Christ, to, to faith in Christ. And, and that is how you can stay connected to God is through Christ. And Paul was the one who was encouraging them. Okay, prepared them for the ministry and listen to what Paul is saying to them. Let me pick up at verse 22. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now it's the spirit, the Holy Spirit that's leading Paul to Jerusalem. He didn't know what was going to happen to him there. He just know the spirit told him to go because some people there needed to hear the gospel. Whenever the Holy Spirit is leading you somewhere, trust me. It has something to do with preaching the gospel to someone or either a group of people that need to hear it. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So he knew he was going to go through some type of trial or tribulation or, or some type of afflictions. He knew that the Holy Spirit already prepared him for that, but the Holy Spirit guaranteed that he would survive the mission. Verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. He's living for Christ now. He's not living for himself. That's what he's saying here. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's why the Jews are trying to kill him. Verse 25, and now behold, I know that none of you uh, none of you among whom I have gone, gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. My Lord, I get full every time I read this because I can visualize it. Verse 26, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. Verse 27, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, the full gospel of God. You, do you hear what Paul is saying? He is saying, I never compromised the word of God to you. Every bit of, 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 of messages and sermons that I preached was the absolute God truth. I never compromised it to you guys. That's what he is saying. Uh, verse 27 again. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He, he, he preached the full gospel. Verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, that's pastors, to care for the church of God. Verse 5, which he obtained with his own blood. God purchased the church, us, the people, Christians, with the blood of his son Jesus. That precious, holy blood. And Paul is saying you have to take care of yourselves first. You have to stick with the word of God before you can oversee God's people. You can't teach them the truth if you don't hold to, to the truth. That is what Paul is saying. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, 
fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, and from among yourselves, from among your own selves, that's what it says in the ESV, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. He said from among yourselves, from among the body of Christ, from among the, the, the kingdom of God. And remember, Jesus warned us as well. He said, you shall know them by the fruit they bear. He said, faking like they are apostles of God. Uh-huh. Acting and, and faking like they are angels of light in the church of the Lord Jesus. Paul is warning them and Jesus warned them. When we, when we start going through the gospels, oh my God. Whew. It's going to be some eye opening. Oh yes. It's going to be some eye openers, baby. Uh, verse 21. And wait, and, and, and let me repeat verse 30. And from among your, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Telling people, it's okay for you to be out there sinning and cutting up. You saved. Uh-huh. Drawing away people to them. Saying what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. God is 100% light and there is no darkness in God. So uh, I want y'all to keep that thought because I'm going to get to that uh, as we move forward. Verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Do you hear what Paul, Paul cried? He said, I, I reprimanded you. You know, I cried, telling you, stick with the faith. Stick with the faith in Christ. Stick with saved by grace. That's what this whole fight is about. Saved by grace. People want to work. To satisfy God. And God ain't looking at your works. He's looking at the works that Jesus did on the cross. And Paul is encouraging them to stick with that. Okay. He said, you know, everyone with tears. You know, I never cease to admonish you. Every one of you with tears. Verse 32. And now I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Sanctified is set apart, set apart from God. Okay, verse 33. Um, set apart for God. Uh, verse 33. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Verse 34. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my need, to my necessities, and to those who were with me. Ministered meaning served. That's what ministered mean here. It mean these hands served to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, verse 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, meaning the needy, the poor. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And that is not what we are seeing today, troops. Oh, yes, we got to be troops today. That's not what we, we are seeing today. Um, we are seeing pastors beg, trying to get as much money out of the people in the church as he can. And people are still going home with the same problems. You hear me? They're not being healed. They are not being delivered. They are not being prayed for. If they need their situation to get better, the, the, the people in the church is supposed to help the, the, the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, they are supposed to help the less fortunate. That is what the collections were for. And I know you ain't never heard this before because they ain't teaching it. 
they're not teaching it. Okay, this is the beginning of the church age. What the church's responsibility was, heal the sick, deliver people from demonic spirits, and help the poor. Preach the word of God. They are continuing in the work of Jesus. And Paul is trying to encourage, in th to encourage them to stick to that. Verse 35 again. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, meaning the poor, the less fortunate. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all because he wasn't going to see them anymore. Verse 37, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Verse 38, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. My Lord, I know that was hard for Paul to leave. I mean, his job was to teach him and train him to, to continue in the work of the Lord Jesus. And now he had to leave. He was on a personal mission that Jesus Christ set him on. Okay, now we have reached Acts chapter 21, verse 1. And when we had parted from them, we, Luke is still with Paul, from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patira. Verse 2, and having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. Verse 3, when we had come in, come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. Verse 4, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem because the afflictions that Paul knew he was going to endure, but he could not. Look, let the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord must be done. So, But they loved him. They were trying to prevent him from going uh, out of love, but Paul's faith was stronger than theirs. Okay? Verse 5, when our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey and they all with wives and children accompanied us Luke is still with them until we were outside the city and kneeling down on the beach we prayed they prayed everywhere they went that's how they were sustained through prayer verse 6 and said farewell to one another then we went on board the ship and they 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 returned home the people who accompanied them to the ship they returned home verse 7 when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. Verse 8, on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist. Y'all remember Philip, who the spirit led to go to that Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah, and Philip explained to him what it meant because the guy didn't know what it meant. And he didn't understand what he was reading. He said, how can I unless someone show me? And Philip led him to Jesus. And then he was baptized. He saved the soul. When the spirit leads you to go and talk to somebody about Jesus, the, that means the spirit have already searched that person's heart and know he need to hear it. Because how can they hear without a preacher? And how can you preach unless you are sent? We must preach the gospel. There are people still on this planet that still haven't heard it. And the ones who heard it still wasn't, it wasn't explained to them accurately. And they still don't know who Jesus is. But that's their fault. 
because once you hear who, who about Jesus, it's your job to at least do your research. You will be held accountable. Oh, yes, I, I, I was about to start rolling now. But um, let me do verse 8 again. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, one of the seven who, seven evangelists who were also deacons in the church. Stephen and Philip were the, uh, amongst two of the first seven deacons that were placed in the church. They were appointed by the apostles and stayed with him. So they stayed with Philip. Verse nine, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. His daughters were preachers, four daughters. They weren't married, they were preachers. Prophesying is simply teaching, okay? They were teachers of the gospel. And they were daughters, not men, okay? Verse 10, while we were staying for, for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Verse 11, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. Um, Abagus, I, I'm talking about Abagus. Agabus had bound his own feet, not Paul's. Um, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns the belt. Paul was the owner of the belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Paul already knew he was going to um, endure some afflictions. He already knew that. So it's just that they loved Paul so much they didn't want him to go. Verse 12, when he heard this, he, who? No, when we, Luke is saying, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him that him is Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, and listen to what Paul says. What are you doing, weeping and, and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And remember how Paul was converted here. See, he know Jesus is real. When you know Jesus is real and you already accepted him and believe on him like I have, ain't nobody turning you away from the mission. Oh, no. Oh, no. If God send you on the mission like he led me to create this podcast, Learning Bible Truth. I know what my assignment is. And I'm not straying away from it. Verse 14. And since he would not be persuaded, they couldn't convince Paul not to go. We ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Okay. Verse 15. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Verse 16. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus an early disciple with whom we should, we should lodge. Verse 17, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. Verse 18, they were received gladly. Because you got to remember, uh, Paul was not by himself. He never traveled alone. Luke was with them, and remember Silas and Timothy. Okay, verse 18 again. Um, on the following day, Paul went with us to James and all the elders were present. James is the Lord Jesus' brother. Verse 19, after greeting them, he related one, one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Verse 20, and when they heard it, they glorified God. Not Paul. They glorified God. See, too often people are glorifying man. You have to glorify God. And that's why the promises of God is not being manifested in their lives because they are worshiping man. 
When something good happens to you, you don't praise the doctor. You don't praise the nurse. You don't praise the one who prayed for you. You glorify God. And that's what they did. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. It was all about leading people to salvation. It was all about winning souls. The church have left the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is winning souls. Okay. They are all zealous for the law. Verse 21. And, and they had been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. And that's not what Paul was teaching, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. And what, uh, verse 22, what then is to be done? They were concerned because the Jews had already put the word out there. Look, the word on the street was, we're going to kill him when he come here. Those were some evil people. Those were people who, who didn't have the love of God in them people. Okay? Verse 22 again. What then is, is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Verse 23. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. A Nazarite vow. Um... Verse 24, uh, take these men and purify yourselves. I'm going to explain to you what that means after I read the, uh, the scripture. And purify yourselves along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in, in what they have, have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in, a, in a observance of the law. Now, let, let me kind of try to break this down to you what they were trying to tell Paul to do. Now, under a vow, those under a Nazarite or either a, a Nazarite, they're both the same, Nazarite or Nazarite vow, would abstain from wine or any type of alcohol, any type of strong drink, uh, grape juice, grapes, or raisins. Um, they would avoid any contact that would defile them such as contact with a dead body and would not cut and and they would not cut their hair okay and you can read about that in numbers chapter 6 6 verse 1 through 21 write that down so you can study it now when the time of the vow was over which is often 30 days they would cut their hair and present an offering in the temple Okay. Now, if Paul went with them and, and personally paid for the cost of their offering, it would show that he did not object to Jewish converts following Old Testament customs voluntarily. So, so long as those same customs were not required of Gentile believers. Okay. Now, I hope y'all understand that. If, if, if you need me to clarify it a little more, um, I will. But it, the Nazarite vow um, was the, what is, is these men uh, taking a vow not to drink any wine or any alcohol, any, any, anything, any drink that was considered to be strong, including staying away from grape juice and grapes, because, you know, wine is made from grapes, or, or raisins, raisins as well. And they would avoid any contact that would defile them, uh, such as contact with a dead body. Okay, that was a 30-day vow. It was a common practice for the Jews. Now, let me pick up at verse 25. But as, as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment 
that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, and we talked about that before, and from what has been strangled and, uh, and from sexual immorality. That is what we are told to abstain from. We are Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. So when, now this has nothing to do with our salvation, but we are told to abstain from these things. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit put his seal on it. Because remember, they conferred with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit agreed to this. It was a decree, a decree set for, for us Gentiles who have accepted Christ. We need to abstain from these things so that we can do well. Okay. Um, verse 26, then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering, uh, offering presented for each one of them. Paul did. He did exactly what they asked him to do, uh, just to keep the peace. And so he can get in there and start preaching the gospel. Okay. Verse 27, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Uh, verse 20, 28, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone every, everywhere against the people and the law. They were lying on Paul, by the way. And this place, moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple. He did not. No Greek... Um, convert to Christianity went in the temple with Paul. So they were lying and has defiled this holy place. Verse 29. And, and before I move to 29, let me, let me elaborate on that just a little bit. Now the Jews from Asia, they charged Paul with defiling the temple by, by taking a Gentile. Um, uh, I think his name was, uh, Trophimus. Um, he was from Ephesians or, or Ephesus. Um, beyond the stone barrier that divided the outer courtyard, um, the court of the Gentiles from the inner sanctuary, which was off limits to Gentiles. Okay. Now under penalty, this was under penalty of death. If a Gentile was, was, uh, crossed that line. Okay. But their accusation was a lie. Paul did not. Paul, he know of the death penalty. If there was a violation in it with that law. Um, he would not have brought a Gentile into the forbidden area. Okay. So I wanted to make that clear. Now let's pick up at verse, uh, 29 for they had previously seen triumphus. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, Trophimus, the Ephesian with him in the city. They saw, uh, Trophimus, uh, whatever his name is, um, with Paul in the city. And they assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple, but Paul had not. Verse 30, then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And remember, Paul knew he was going to uh, suffer some afflictions. So here it go. Here it go. It was prophesied. Uh, verse 31, and as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort. Now, the uh, tribune of the people was officials in ancient Rome. You know, they were chosen uh, people to, to and, you know, let's say sit on the uh, bench, okay, um, of the cohort. And uh, cohorts were Roman military units, okay, um, that all Jerusalem was in confusion. That's, that's what they reported to the people. <laughs> 
verse 32. He at, at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Unbelievable. Paul went through some stuff, but, but, but wait, he never backed down. He didn't give in. Verse 33. Then the tribune came, the, the, the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was, who he was and what he had done. Verse 34. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts, the tribune couldn't learn the facts. Because of the uproar and everyone talking at the same time, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks, the military barracks. Uh, verse 35, and when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. Meaning he, he was in between two soldiers and, and chains, his hands was chained. Um, they, they had to protect Paul from the crowd, but there's revelation here. Verse 36, for the mob of the people followed crying out, away with him, away with him. Verse uh, 37, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Verse 38, the tribune asked, the soldier asked uh, Paul, did he know Greek? Verse 38, are you not the Egyptian then, excuse me, who recently stirred up a, a revolt and led for the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Now, this little revelation here gives you an indication of Paul's skin color because Egyptians are dark-skinned people. So how was Paul mistaken to be Egyptian, uh, an Egyptian? Ah, this has nothing to do with your salvation, but there's revelation through, this, through, through the book of Acts as well as all the books, 66 books in the Bible, okay? Egyptians are dark-skinned people, okay? Verse 39, Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no obscure city, meaning no violent city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. He still wanted to talk to those violent people who were trying to kill him. Verse 40. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people, had just been beaten by him now. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, uh, now we're going into chapter 22, okay? Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. Verse 2, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, how is a dark-skinned man talking in Hebrew, okay? They became even more quiet, and he said, because they started to listen when he started speaking to them in Hebrew. Verse 3, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in, Sicily, in uh, Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Paul was well-educated and well-versed in Judaism. He knew the Old Testament uh, scriptures, which were written in Hebrews, and he learned under one of the leading Hebrew teachers and Jewish teachers in Jerusalem, okay? Being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Verse four, I persecuted this way, what way? Saved by grace, to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Paul is getting ready to share his testimony, how he converted to Christianity. Verse five, 
as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear my witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in, bound, in bounds to Jerusalem to be punished. People who were Christians. Verse 6. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. Verse 7. I, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 8. And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand, meaning they didn't hear the voice. They saw the light, though, shining around Paul, the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Verse 10, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Paul ain't missing a beat about his testimony. He's sticking to the word. He ain't adding nothing to it, ain't taking nothing away. This is exactly what we read about in Acts chapter 9, 8 and 9, what happened to Paul, how he was converted. Verse 11, and since I could not see because of the brightness of that, of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Verse 12, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. Verse 13, came to me and standing by me said to me, brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. Verse 14, and he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, which is Jesus and to hear a voice from his mouth. He heard the words directly from Jesus. That's why the other men didn't hear it because the message wasn't for them. It was for Paul. Verse 15, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And that's what Paul went about doing, preaching his testimony. Verse 16, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Whose name? The name of Jesus. Verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. Verse 18. And saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Verse 19. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. Verse 20. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, remember when Stephen was killed? Your witness, who was the first martyr for Jesus, was being shed. I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Verse 21. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away from the Gentiles far away to the Gentiles. Verse 22, Paul kept pushing it because he thought because they knew who he was before he converted that they were just going to believe him. Not. Baby, the devil is working in his people. Okay? So it's a struggle. But you have to give people an opportunity to hear the gospel so that they can receive it or either reject it. Okay? Verse 21 again, and he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Verse 22, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. They didn't hear nothing he said. Some of them did, though, watch. 
for he should not be allowed to live. Why shouldn't he be allowed to live? Think about that. 23, and as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and, and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging. Now, here's the thing. The people were so angry at Paul and wanting to kill him, the tribune said, it got to be something else because they just heard Paul's testimony. They said, no, 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 no. I know these people ain't trying to kill him for that. There's nothing wrong with what he just said. Flogging is, is a torture that they used to use to get people to confess things. It, it involves stretching, being tied with leather, and, and stretching a human being. But listen, um, to be examined by flogging, to find out why they were shouting against him like this. Because they, they were saying that this, this can't be it. It got to be more to this. Verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who, who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Okay. Uh, verse 26. When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. Verse 27. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he, and Paul said, yes. Verse 28, the tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, yeah, but I, but I am a citizen by birth. I was born a Roman citizen. Okay. Now, the reason why um, being a Roman citizen is so important, and Paul said, um, I'm being uncondemned, is because you cannot accuse a Roman citizen without the accusers being present and without them giving their side as to why he need to be punished or put to death. No one had done that yet. All they are saying and, and yelling is do away with him. Do away with him. Kill him. Paul hadn't done nothing. You hear me? They heard his testimony and said, got to be bored. This can't be why they want to kill him. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that while we are pressed for time. We got about 16 more, more minutes uh, or longer. We may go about maybe two hours because we may just finish on Sunday instead of Monday. Uh, verse 28, the tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. Verse 29, so those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him, the tribune. Uh, hold up, I, I don't want to have to make a correction. Uh, tomorrow for a Roman citizen, he said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large... No, but it was the centurion had bound him, okay? Uh, but the tribune also was afraid. I'm back at uh, the latter part of verse 29. Let me start from verse, verse 29 again. So those who were bought, uh, for those who were about to examine him, withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Um, Paul, uh, verse 30, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priest and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. Chapter 23. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. 
uh, verse 2, and the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Verse 3, then Paul said to him, now the high priest ordered Paul to be hit in the mouth here. The high priest, why do you think the priest is not a, a gift in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today? They were removed and replaced with pastors. Okay, uh, I got a teaching on that coming up too. Verse 3, then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed um, you whitewash wall. This means you hypocrite standing up there in the white apparel, but you are rotten to the core. That is exactly what that means. Um, are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, uh, you order me to be struck. Did, did you hear what Paul told him? See, you talking to Paul who know the word. He know the word very well. He know all the old Testament scriptures written in Hebrew. Verse four, those who stood by said, um, would you revile God's high priest? Verse five, and Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. He ain't acting like no high priest. Okay, verse six. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee. Paul had become everything to all men so that he might save some. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. People don't want to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why they were chasing Paul to kill him. Not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons. Verse seven. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided. Verse eight. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. They don't believe. There is no angel or no spirit, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Verse nine. Then a great clamor uh, arose and some of the scribes of the Pharisees party stood up and contended sharply. Uh, we find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? Verse 10. And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded that commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, Paul, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. God was telling him, you ain't dying here because you got to testify for me in Rome. Okay, verse 12. And you got to believe what God say. Verse 12. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they have killed Paul. Verse 13. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. Verse 14. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have strictly bound. Now listen to who they, who they talking to, telling them that they plan on killing Paul. And they will, they agree the chief priest and elders of their church of their synagogue said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Verse 15. Now, therefore you along with the council, give notice to the tribune to, to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. Listen to this plot now with the chief priests and elders now. And we are ready to kill him before, uh, before he comes near. Verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister, meaning Saul, uh, Paul's uh, nephew, uh, the son of Paul's sister heard of, of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Verse 17. Paul called one of the, 
the centurions, one of the soldiers, and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell uh, him. Verse 18. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. But they didn't tell the centurion what it was, because guess what? You don't know if he would have been involved. Verse 19, the tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? Verse 20, and he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. Verse 21, but do not be persuaded by them for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready waiting for your consent. Verse 22. So the tribune dismissed the young man charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Verse 23. Then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready to uh, get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Tell me God wasn't working, putting people in place to protect Paul. Verse 24, also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. Verse 25, and he wrote a letter to this effect. Uh, Claudius Lysias, okay, that's who he was right, the governor. Claudius Lysias, verse 26, to his excellency, this is his letter. Um, that he is writing to Claudius Lysias. To his excellence, the governor Felix, greetings. Verse 27, this man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. Verse 28, desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. Verse 29, I found that he was being accused uh, about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or in punishment uh, or imprisonment. I'm sorry. Verse 30. And when it was dis disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. See, he ordered the accusers to go before uh, Claudius Lysias too. Verse 31, so the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. Verse 32, and on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. Verse 33, when they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. Verse 34, on reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, uh, verse 35, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Now we are moving into chapter 24. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. Verse 2, and when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, accusing Paul, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, 
reforms are being made for this nation. Verse three, in every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. Verse four, but to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. Verse five, for we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now the word sect, S-E-C-T, it's in the ESV and New King James, means a group of people who left a, an established religion. Okay. In this case, <laughs> Paul allegedly left Judaism for Christianity. Uh, verse eight, by examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. Verse nine, and the Jews also join in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And once again, they were lying on Paul. Um, to tell us, accuse Paul of three crimes, stirring up riots, being a Christian ringleader and profaning the temple. Now, to a Roman, the first charge would have been the most serious, amounting to a, a, a charge of, of uh, sedition, okay? You know, threatening the Roman peace. The, the second charge Paul readily accepted uh, in verse 14, but the first and third he flatly denied, okay? Now, let's go back to uh, verse 5 and pick up. Um, verse nine, because we read six and eight verse nine, the Jews also join in the charge affirming that all these things were so verse 10. And when the governor had not had nodded to him to speak, not into Paul, Paul replied, knowing that for many years, you have been a judge over this nation. I cheerfully make my defense. Verse 11, you can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. What Paul was saying here is what they are accusing me of. I didn't even have time to do it. That's, that's what he's talking about right here. And verse 12, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues of in of or in the city. Verse 13, neither. Can they prove to you what they now bring up against me? Verse 14. But this I confess to you that according to the way, meaning saved by grace, which they call a sect, meaning we broke off uh, from an established religion and just started following something new and different. I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Verse 15, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Verse 16, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Um, before I move to verse 17, let me explain this a little bit. Now, Paul proceeded to show how as a Christian, he was a faithful Jew, accepting the law and the prophets and sharing the resurrect resurrection hope, you know, that the resurrection will include both the just and the unjust implies a final judgment. Okay. Now let's, let's pick up at verse 15. 
having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Verse 16, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, I read 15 and 16 over again because, I, you know, just in case somebody forgot what I said. Uh, verse 17. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. Paul was very generous, by the way, especially taking care of the poor. Uh, verse 18. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, verse 19, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation. Should they have anything against me? Paul's saying, well, where are they? They have anything against me. Why aren't they here accusing me? Verse 20, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Verse 21, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. That is why Paul is on trial. Now, let me give you the underlying reason and this some revelation. Now, um, there may be some uh, scholars or, or other pastors or bishops that may disagree, but I know when the Holy Spirit is talking to me. The underlying reason for the Jews um, anger is that Paul exposed their ignorance of the word of God, when he explained to them through scripture, using scripture, who Jesus was and that the Jesus Christ that died on that cross, Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. He was the Christ. They knew what those scriptures said. They didn't know what they meant. Paul explained it as, as if he was talking to a two year old child who can't understand what Paul is saying. Now the teacher's responsibility is to break these, these scriptures down line upon line, precept upon precept, so that you can get it. And if the Holy Spirit resides in you, the Holy Spirit will give you that understanding. They were angry because they were proven to be wrong in the scriptures, but that wasn't Paul's intent. His intent was, look, you guys missed it. The Christ is supposed to come twice. He came first so that he can die for our sins, for the remission of sins. When he come a second time, that's different. Ain't nobody going to be sticking thorns in his head and, and putting nails in his feet and in his hands. Trust what I'm telling you. Now, let's move on to verse 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, because Felix knew the scriptures and he knew when Jesus came. OK, put them off saying when Lysias, the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Verse 23. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. Meaning, okay, he's going to be in prison. He hasn't been found guilty of anything so far. So if he have family and friends that want to come see him, you don't prevent them from doing that. You let them come and tend to his needs. Okay. That was the order from Felix, the governor, verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Paul never strayed away from the word. Uh, verse 25, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away from the present. 
When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Verse 26. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. Now, although Felix was reasonable, he was still a crook. And you're going to see that as I continue to read. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. Felix literally had conversations with Paul behind the scenes. Okay. And was still trying to get money out of Paul. Verse 27. When two years had lapsed, Paul had been in jail for two years for sharing the gospel, not breaking any laws here. Uh, verse 27 again. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Parseus. Now, Parseus was, was the next governor, okay? Parseus Fetus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. That tell you how crooked he is. It tells you. Boy, you can't find one honest government official. I tell you. Now we are reaching chapter, chapter 25. Uh, verse 1. Now, three days after Fetus had arrived... In the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, verse two, and the chief priest and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul and they urged him, verse three, asking as a favor against Paul, government officials and law enforcement are not supposed to be doing favors. They are supposed to treat people justly. Okay. According to the law, not favors. Um, verse three, again, asking as a favor against Paul that he summoned him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Now they told this to the governor and the governor should have locked him up, but he didn't. I mean, corruption at his highest verse four fetish replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. Verse five. So, so said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me. And if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. That's where he was being reasonable, reasonable, but he was still crooked. Y'all, I just read what they were telling him. Now, all this is true. This is not an allegory. These are true events that took place with Paul, the apostle Paul. Verse six, after he stayed among them, not more than eight or 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. Verse seven, when he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Do you hear me? That they could not prove. But remember, they asked a favor. They thought that Felix was going to let them bring Paul to Jerusalem where they can kill him. But it didn't happen. Uh, verse eight, Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law or the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. Verse nine, but Fetus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before before me? Now, he knew the Jews wanted to kill Paul. And if he had gotten an opportunity or agreed to go to Jerusalem, Paul would have been killed. But watch the hand of God work and protect Paul. Verse 10. But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal. Let me say that again. But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried, which is in Rome, his home, uh, his hometown. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. 
verse 11. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. Paul said, if I was wrong and did anything worthy of death, I wouldn't even be fighting it. You will just, I'll just let you put me to death. That's what Paul is saying. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. Paul is telling them they're not saying anything. They couldn't even confirm any of their lies. So you can't give me up to them. Okay. I appeal to Caesar. This is what Paul said. Verse 12. Then Fetus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered to Caesar, you have appealed to Caesar. You shall go. Now, see, he still followed the law, but he was still crooked. He knew the Jews wanted to kill Paul. Okay, verse 13. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa, the king and Bernice, this is not the Agrippa that was killed earlier in Acts. This is Agrippa II. Uh, the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Fetus. Verse 14. And as they stayed there many days, Fetus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there is a man left uh, prisoner by Felix, still in jail. Now, mind you, it's been two years. Verse 15, and when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priest and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. Verse 16, I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. How are you going to accuse somebody and don't give them a chance to plead their case? That's what they were trying to do. Asking for a favor. Don't even, it doesn't matter what he's saying. Just give him over to us. We want to kill him. Unbelievable. And this governor knew that. Verse 17. So when they came together, I made no delay. But on the next day, took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. Verse 18, when the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. This is where he was being fair, but he was still rotten to the core. Okay. He couldn't disregard the law here because they had no case against Paul. Verse 19, rather they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Verse 20. That's why they want to kill him. The Jews, under, the underlying reason, like I said, they were upset because Paul had proven through scripture that Jesus was the Christ and the Jews and the chief priests had been accused of killing him. That's why they wanted to kid, kill Paul. Because they didn't want that message out. That's why. Verse 20. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. Verse 21. But when Paul had appealed to, to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to, to Caesar. Now, Paul being kept in prison actually was saving his life. That's where he was protected because the Jews couldn't get in there to kill him. Verse 22. Then Agrippa said to Fetus, I would like to hear the man myself. Uh, tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. Verse 23. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. 
Then at the command of Fetis, Paul was brought in. Paul is going to tell his testimony again, but a little more in detail. Watch this. Verse 24. And Fetis said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer without any reason or any cause. Oh, my Lord. But that's happening today. But I'm not going to be sidetracked by that. I'll share with that in my closing arguments or not arguments in my uh, commentary. Uh, verse 25. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. Verse 26. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have nothing to, or, or I may have something to write. Verse 27, for it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. <laughs> they sending him to Caesar to go before Caesar to plead his case, but they don't even have no charges against him. Okay, verse, uh, now we're going into... Um, Chapter 26. Woo! Yes, listen to this. Listen to this testimony. Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. Verse two, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. Now in the New King James, I started to use the New King James uh, for verse 24, 25 and 26. It says, I think myself happy. Because he knew that he was pleading his case to the right person and that person was going to let him go to Caesar. And Paul know once he got to Caesar, he was going to be treated fairly and was going to be released. Okay. In his hometown in Rome. Okay. Uh, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Verse three, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. He know the laws. He know all the controversies uh, associated with the Jews. That's why he wanted to go before King Agrippa as well. OK, um, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Paul said, because look, what I'm about to tell you going to blow you away. And it is uh, verse four, my manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. Verse five, they have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have, I have lived as a Pharisee. Verse six, and now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. Verse seven, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Verse eight, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Now, this is very important. Paul, <laughs> Paul is saying, well, okay, why are they really, you know, why are you amazed that God raises the dead? This is what I'm leaning on. Jesus Christ was resurrected for the repentance of our sins and for our salvation is what he is saying. And he's saying, if God created the universe, the heavens and the earth, and you know, the scriptures of the prophets, 
You know they prophesied about this and it came to pass. This man who performed miracles on people who had been sick for 20 and 30 years, who were healed instantly. You, do y'all hear what I'm saying? So why do you guys think that it's impossible for him to raise from the dead? My Lord, my Lord. Verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, he's talking about when he used to persecute the church. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest who gave the go ahead to lock up Christians. Unbelievable. But when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He cast his vote to put them to death. Okay. Verse 11. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He was following them all over, persecuting them. Um, verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. Verse 13. At midnight, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Here go the testimony. Brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. Verse 14. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 15, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, let's look at verse 14 a little closer. Now, most likely uh, the Hebrew language that Paul was talking about was in Aramaic. Okay. Um, now when I explained this before in early part of Acts, uh, when Paul, when Jesus said it's hard for you to kick against the goats, um, it, it, that statement that the Romans probably knew, meaning that one cannot ultimately resist God's will. And Paul may have been having some remorse on his way to Damascus. You know, goats were sharp sticks used to pride oxen. OK, and if the oxen kicked in resistance, the drivers would would keep them in line by using the goads uh, more severely to get them to comply. So what Paul was doing probably was fighting against his conscience. OK, um, let's pick back up at verse 15. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 16. But rise and stand up. Uh, and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will uh, appear to you. Now, Paul is being more detailed here because he is before uh, the governor, the right people. See, it's, it's you give a certain amount of information to depending on the audience. OK, he's before a different audience now and he's going in detail. You are hearing things about his testimony you hadn't heard before. OK, listen, verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins 
and a place, wait, hold up, forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified, meaning set aside for God by faith in me. Now, this is Jesus talking to him. Paul never disclosed this before because he wasn't before the audience that was going to receive it. But he's before the right ones now. Okay, this is Jesus saying by faith in me, they will be sanctified, set aside apart from everyone else, uh, set aside for God only by faith in me. And I'm putting the word only in there because I can put it there because I know this word. Okay, verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Verse 20. But declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. What he's saying is I was going preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, telling them to turn away from their pagan gods. Now, the Jews are today and were back then worshiping the true and living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, the father of Jesus Christ. But they missing the salvation part about Jesus dying on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That blood was a sacrifice that Jesus made personally him and God made a pact. You go down here and do this for me to save some of my people, including non-believers. And we can save these people because before that, the whole world was going in a handbasket to hell. I know that's a, uh, uh, some deep stuff, but the Holy Spirit just told me to share that. That's not even a part of my notes, but if the Holy Spirit tell me to share it, I'm going to share it. Uh, verse 20 again, but, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Verse 21, meaning to continue to do good and don't turn back to your pagan worship, worshiping, I, you know, things created by the hands of men. Verse 21, for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. <laughs> unbelievable verse 22 to this day I have had the help that comes from God and we talked about God made sure that Paul lived he came to Paul in prison and said you're going to be okay just like you uh was going to preach the gospel and and represent me in Jerusalem you're going to make it to Rome and, and preach in Rome he's going to make it to Caesar um verse 22 again to this day I have had the help that comes from God and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. See, Paul is talking scripture. He ain't leaving them without a witness. And the Jews upset because Paul know more about the scriptures and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than he do. They were rejecting it. Now, some of them knew who Jesus was. They just wanted to reject him anyway because they were going to lose their status in the synagogue. Okay, lose their status within the government. And see, these were prominent Jews. The prominent Jews are the ones who rejected Jesus. But the common people, the Bible says, received him gladly. Verse 23, uh, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles, meaning us. Okay, verse 24. And as he was saying this, these things in his defense, Fetus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. He knew Paul 
Paul was uh, very knowledgeable. You hear him, your great learning is driving you out of your mind. <laughs> and listen to Paul's response, verse 25. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent fetish. He never lost respect for the, for the uh, governor. But I am speaking true and rational words. Verse 26. For the king knows about these things. And to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this, is, for this has not been done in a corner. Now, let me uh, talk about that. The king knows about these things, what Paul was talking about. Paul knew that Agrippa had a fairly extensive knowledge of Jewish beliefs. Okay. And when he said, I know that you believe, Agrippa had a, a reputation as a pious Jew, which is why Paul could make this appeal to him. Now, let's go back to uh, verse 26. I'm, I'm looking, I'm making sure I didn't lose because I'm switching back and forth from notes to my uh, Bible. Let's do 26 again. For the king knows about these things and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this is, this has not been done in a corner. And I just explained that to you. Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Uh-oh, Paul putting them on the spot. That's why he think himself happy. He was before the right one, buddy. I know that you believe. And if you can get the, the leader of the people to believe, that leader can get the people to believe. But, but, but hold up, hold up. Let's listen. Let's listen. Verse 28. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? What, what Agrippa was saying here is that um, realizing that Paul was pressing for a Christian commitment, Agrippa put him, you know, put him off. You know, saying that it was too short, too short a time for making such a decision. Paul picked up on Agrippa's remark, you know, so he said short or long. He wanted everyone to trust Christ. The translation of this verse is, is not easy because in a short time, you know, it could mean also um, with a small effort or two. Some some take Agrippa's words to be a statement rather than a question. Uh, and three. To, uh, it could be, um, it could also mean to act like, and, and four, there's some variation in the Greek manuscripts. However, most command, command, um, commentators favor a sense similar to that given in the e ESV. Okay. So, uh, let's pick up at verse 29 and Paul said, whether short or long, I would uh, to, to God that not only you, but also all who hear, hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these change, <laughs> for these chains. So Paul was saying here, and I just explained uh, a little bit, but that now that I'm reading the scripture a second time, revelation is coming. Uh, Paul is saying, look, it is God's will and it is my will that all of you receive Christ for the forgiveness of sins so that you can have eternal salvation and that, but he was bound in chains. So when he said, you know, be like me, Paul had a little sense of humor here. You know, he said, except for these chains, you know, verse 30, then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them, uh, verse 31. And, and when they had, uh, withdrawn, 
They said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. Paul was sweet as, as, as he could be. You hear me? Verse 32. And Agrippa said to Fetus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar, meaning they were going to set him free right there. But had they set him free right there, the Jews would have killed him. You got to remember the Jews were lying in wait. So I guess those men who made that vow to not eat or drink anything un until they killed Paul, I guess they, they didn't starve to death by now. <laughs> I guess they have starved to de death by now. So saints, I'm going to stop here. And guess what? This may be episode seven, but tomorrow will be episode eight where we will um, conclude um, acts of, of the Holy Spirit, why the church have no power uh, tomorrow, Sunday, where I, where I will um, conclude and finish verse 20, I mean, chapters 27 and 28. Yes, acts only have uh, 28 chapters. So I so look forward to tomorrow so that we can close this out. And then next Sunday, we will start on a, a new tour of the Bible and we will tour the book of Galatians where Paul explains to the Galatian church, the difference between grace and law. And if you are under the law and trying to keep the law to please God, you are not under grace, which means you are not saved uh, and saved from what? From the judgment day that's coming, you know, for everyone who is in Christ. Trust what I tell you is no longer being condemned and will no longer be judged because the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary's cross was enough to save us. And God is not looking at us and what we did in our past. And if we so happen to stumble and fall today into sin, God is able to lift us up. That's how strong the blood is to lift us up, brush us off and tell us to do it again. And he will not hold that sin against us. That is only for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why it's important for you to talk to your family members about the Lord Jesus Christ and about salvation. Honey, salvation ain't, ain't about uh, a, a religion or a denomination. You cannot go to anyone's church and join some social club and think you are saved. Because remember, Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven or either the kingdom of God, depending on which uh, version of the Bible you read. They're both the same. Not everyone. Just because you say the name of Jesus doesn't mean you saved. You have to be born again. Yes, you do. So, saints, until tomorrow, and I am so looking forward to it. I want you to stay safe. Continue to practice physical distancing when you are out in public. Wear your mask. Don't be afraid to speak up if someone is not wearing a mask and is standing within your comfort zone within six feet. Speak up because no one has a right to infect you. OK, and I want you to continue to pray for peace and unity in the body of Christ. We can do so much more united. Yes, we can. And at, uh, at the end of this uh, series tomorrow, I will say a prayer, which is something something I don't um, often do. OK, because I try to encourage people to pray for themselves. So until next time, saints, I love you. Peace out. I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to Talking Bible Truth 
www.cd.gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.